<laughs> Do you know who that is? We didn't get any words. I can turn it back up. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't. I feel like that's a song I hear in movies. That's probably my favorite female lead lead vocalist. Really? Well, no, that's but in a band like, of like a band. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this. So Lindsay and I have three songs from we started dating. Uh huh. Um, one of them when you were like. 16. Children, yeah, okay. Uh, the one I revealed our like song song was Kiss Me by Sixpence, yeah. This was also one of them. Oh, interesting. All three of them were by female vocals. This is, do you know? I don't, the cranberries, the cranberries, yeah. Um, and I forget her name, but tragically, she died two or three years ago. Oh. Not old either. That's sad, right? Um, yeah, they so Alexa, who's the lead singer of the cranberries? Yeah, Dolores O'Riordan. She passed away. Anyhow, um, this song also is in the opening of um, You've Got Mail. Oh. Which would probably is why we picked it, because that was like our second date, our third date. That's cute. You've Got Mail. Um, it's also in Dairy Girls, <laughs> which oh. we talked about last week. Yeah. It's but such a great song. Have you guys watched Dairy Girls? No. I think you would both like it. You oh, and Lindsay. Add it to the list. Yeah. We've got a long list. We're in season five of Downton. Woot, woot, moving along. Woot, woot. How many seasons are there? Six. And then there's two movies. Six that, in a movie, yeah. That I'll watch at a later date. Okay. You won't. I'm, I'll take a break. Them. Right. And then I'll get a hunger again. Like, oh, I want to visit my Downton friends. Although Your I've friends. heard the movie isn't very good. Well, I think that's often the case, but... but you just got to go just to meet your friends. I think I often um, am less critical of things like that. I just like yeah being with my friends. It's like the Hobbit movies weren't good, but I was just glad to go to Middle Earth. Yeah, exactly. So, well, the Cranberries. And we're continuing to march towards St. Patrick's Day is why we're in the Irish. Right, yes. So, well... That is why we've... You got a phone call, Taylor. It's okay. Um... Well, Taylor, Wild Week. Wild Week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For Do you think there is a listener out there who has not been informed in some way yet? Probably. Okay. No. No, actually, probably not. There could be, though. There could be. So, listeners. Yeah, we'll start there. If this is you finding out, yeah. we apologize. But there's no way for it not to be I abrupt. Mean, if, well, I don't know that we apologize. Yeah, we don't apologize. We're just telling you. But you should know. We're trying I to announced you. Sunday yeah. after church mm-hmm. that I am leaving University Baptist Mega Church. <laughs> yeah. After almost 15 years. Yeah. 14.5 and plus. That's insane. And counting. Yeah. And I mean, like, your first full time pastoral job, right? Yeah. Um, I will say this among the many compliments people have given me boy, were they stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really. I was 26 and just preaching some bad sermons. So. That is so funny to me because I can't imagine that. I've never, the, I mean, the like, sermons were bad? Well, which is not like that I've never heard you. Well, I don't think I've ever heard you preach like a, a bad, bad sermon. A bomb, yeah. Well, you know, you what started coming to UBC what year? 2013. So I had six years of experience by then. Holy moly. Um, but that's so crazy. I've been working in the church for five years. Mm-hmm. That's crazy to think about. Yeah. So anyhow, um, there was just some. 
you know, it's like I was learning. I had preached about seven sermons in my life before they hired me. It just happened to be the one that I preached without wow. anything on the line was a home run. Oh, yeah. So Dave Crowder's like, okay, you should come be a pastor here. And I'm like, Were you mm. really bad? Like, be honest. Um, I was bad because I was not, I didn't know who I was as a preacher. Okay. Does it make sense? Yeah. So I, I wanted desperately to be Bert. Um, oh, and so I was that's overlaying. So, that's really sweet. Yeah. You and Bert are very different. Yeah. But I was trying to be not me. Yeah. Um, I was also had a lot of Rob Bell influence at that point. Sure. So, and I mean, in terms of form, I ended up much more like Rob. Yeah. Because that's more of who I am. Yeah. But, you know, I think Bert, like his, um, the way he would play with scripture was something I, I learned from him. Well, I do. Right. I can see in form Mm -hmm. how informed you are by Bert, if that makes sense. Yeah. But in delivery. More like Rob. Mm-hmm. So Bert also's narrative, uh, where I was, I was to this day much more inductive. Yeah. Um, I will just throw information at you and then do something at the end to see if it works. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, so I didn't have myself. So the second sermon I preached was on Philemon. Okay. Um, and it was not great. Um, hmm. I was also so in their wisdom they didn't just give me the pulpit right away. Sure. I preached probably two or three times that first semester I was hired. Oh, I preached. They every, kept bringing people. Yeah, in. well, and they had they booked all these people out, right? So some of it was budget. Oh, okay. Um, but because I was part time that first semester. Okay. But I preached every Wednesday. So which oh. now is crazy because I'm like I wrote two sermons a week several times. Well, I think the energy level of a 26 year old is, especially the mental energy level. You know yeah. what I mean? Like the ability to write two sermons a week. Mm-hmm. Did you always, you are the only person I know that finishes sermons by Thursday. Did you always do that or? Mm. But you know what? That was before, that was before preaching. I, you, you can ask Lindsay, she would get so pissed because <laughs> I would tell her I couldn't do things because I was finishing a paper for seminary uh-huh. and she'd find out that the paper was due like a month before. Yeah, or I believe that. The paper that. was done a month before it was due. I believe that. I feel like a lot of my three friends uh-huh. are like that. But you know what's beneath that is not ambition. A lot of times it was fear. Yeah. It was like, if I don't have this done, I maybe won't be able to do my best by the time it rolls around. Right. So I always get done stuff done early and then I go back and edit, 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 edit forever. Yeah. Uh, I have never written a paper not like in the week before it's due. Yeah. I bet some of that is reflected, though, in time orientation, right? Yes. Like, I lived in the future, so why wouldn't I get the future done now? Right, yeah. You are a very present person, so you had your best stuff to say. Yes. In the moment. Normally, the night before, truly, it is, like, when it comes together. Which, some of that is not being prepared. Like, I can start a little earlier. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But it has to, like, it really does come to me. I did a Myers-Briggs things one, one time. Mm-hmm. And with like a professional Myers Briggs person or whatever, and they it was helpful. One of the letters is like, um, some people can start writing a paper like right away, mm-hmm. um, like as they're doing the research or whatever, mm-hmm. or like a sermon, like they can just get started writing things down. And then some people, it's like it, the information needs to sit in their brain, mm-hmm. and that I'm the second one. And it is like most sermons or papers just like um, 
come fully formed out of me. Like I don't yeah. even go back and edit them, but it's like I've been sitting with the information yeah. for so long that I just. I've probably gotten more that way in sermon writing than I used to be. Mm. Just my moment to do that is Wednesday, not Saturday. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I just think for a long time and then I write, which when I first started preaching, um, so Bert would do the, his lectionary breakfast on Fridays mm-hmm. and then he would write his entire sermons on Friday afternoon. Mm. And um, Chris Fillingham and I, we processed the world together at this point and uh-huh. admired birth. And we would just be, how does he do it? You know? Yeah. <laughs> but now I get it, right? Like, yeah. What, what I was using up in anxiety, energy, and other things and researching, he was marinating and thinking like you do. Yeah. And ingesting and finding metaphor that way. Yeah. And putting it inside of himself, so to speak. Yeah. That's a bodied response. Mm. Yeah. But you're a heart person. Yeah. So maybe it's not about that. Yeah, I think some of it is just how you think or mm-hmm. what what works for you. What a hero Bert is, though. Well, that was a long intro to say, hey, I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we only have um, a few more podcasts left. Two, this one and next week. Woo, this one and next week? Yeah, because the week after I go to yeah, on spring va- breaks. On vacation. And then, I'm, and then the next week. I'm working my new job, even though I'll be back at UBC that Sunday. Yeah. So... This is our last chance. You know what I was thinking, though? What? It it costs us absolutely nothing to keep the spot on iTunes. Right. So we'll say there could be special episodes if it was either this or. I think so. And once we both settle into. I think we maybe need to be careful about just that I don't work there and like the umbrella of the church. But honestly, I don't think anybody will care. No. I just can't speak on behalf of the church. Right. So, but um, should I either? Do you know yeah, what I mean? There you go. So, uh, well, there's that. So, thank you, listeners, for all these years of fun. <laughs> it has two, been so fun. Two years of fun. Yeah. yeah, it was fun. It was a great outlet for me. Yeah. Um, Taylor. Yeah. Well, before we get to the roundup, no, before we get to the main topic. Yeah. A couple of things to talk about. A few things, yeah. Okay. Um, I love the Badgers. Yeah. The Badgers played Michigan in men's basketball. Uh huh. And after the game. There was a conflict between Joan Howard, who was part of the Fab Five, yeah. if people are sports fanatics, um, that very impressive Michigan team. He's the now coach of Michigan. And Greg Gard, our, our coach, um, and Joan Howard, after a scuffle, ended up hitting somebody in the side of the head. I'm not going to say hit like fist. I, I rewatched it in slow motion. It's kind of a slap, okay. open-handed, Okay. on the side of somebody's head. Um, and news so today, I keep hearing it was an assistant coach. And it was one of y'all's assistant coaches? Yes, hit okay. a Wisconsin coach. Okay. Uh, and then a few players hit each other. And that, of course, is a huge no-no and some suspension were handed out. But I think everybody is thinking, well, when your coach is the first, players will get less of a Right, when your penalty. coach starts something. Then so um, so I, there, there's that. And, and I, um, of course, have not commented on this publicly and sure. will not comment publicly because... It's fraught, right? Yeah. Uh, but this is the fraught nature of this. So I'm on Twitter. Yeah. And immediately I see back and forth, all kinds. If, right. If he, if it was the opposite and the white coach is struck and if it was, you know, all, it was immediately about race. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So here's my question. Okay. And I, I don't think I've ever brought this up before, but I thought a lot about this after, I don't remember which 
it was one of the really tragic shootings. Uh huh. Um, and you know, like in a school. No, uh, of a police officer shooting and killing a person of color. Mm -hmm. I don't remember which one. Sure. And which one matters, right? Because like some of these were much more egregious. Right. Um, We've got different things going on. But anyhow, I had wondered, and this is where it would be fun to talk to a sociologist. Um, If you could like get a jury, we'll call it. Okay. Sure. And you had them read a details of a case mm-hmm. or a, um, of a, I don't know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you, uh, randomly, not randomly, you made sure that like 25 of the cases they read were the, the, what do you call the person, the perpetrator? Sure. Is that what you call that person? Is it perpetrator? Um. Person question? Uh, the, the person... Who does the sort of... The crime. The crime. And I want to say alleged, right? Because if it's in court, it's the question. Sure. Yeah, um, but like, so if you did 25 where that person was Caucasian, uh, and then you did 25 where that person was um, African-American, mm-hmm. and 25, you know, and then you, but you, um, you the, the people listening to the cases and writing opinions wouldn't know the races of anybody involved in the thing. Sure. I wonder, would that be a mechanism... Of which you could um, ascertain some data on how racist systems were. And now there's a couple objections even I as a not trained sociologist could think right. of. But I just wonder, do you think that would be helpful? Like I wonder, all these people on Twitter that were debating about whether or not um, race was at play in this thing with Juwan Howard. Could you make a judgment on it if you just knew it was two coaches? You know what I mean? Could you make a judgment on it that had nothing to do with race? Yes. Um, maybe. Uh, or is that superfluous because race is embedded in ways that are inescapable? And um, I, I mean, I do think we do have some studies like that, right? That like, if you put in, we have some of these with like job resume application type things, right? Mm-hmm. That like, if the person's name, oh yeah, you know, is like, yeah. uh, good point, Taylor versus like, um, you know, uh, Ladonna or yeah. whatever that sure. like. We do have the facts back that like yeah. a neutral name, like even if it's a person of color, but they've never seen anybody that like a, a name that sounds like a white person's name, those resumes always get hmm. viewed yeah. um, more favorably. Mm-hmm. And I would, uh, I mean, I do think uh, that there are studies about like how people are treated in court cases based on like. Yeah. Their race and their, um, and you know, I, that was the just the question, right? Like if it was a colorblind situation. Yeah. I, yeah, I do think there are some studies like that, and I, yeah, I think at the, towards the end there you were getting to it that like, um, race is embedded in the mm-hmm. in the systems in a way that is like when you say like, well, I'm a co- I'm colorblind. Yeah. That it's like. Nobody actually is. So I think my question then, sorry to clarify. Okay, listeners, sorry, we got cut off there. Yeah. What I was saying, I think, I don't know quite where we were in the conversation, is that I wondered if you could have 100 people look at it and say, here's my opinion on this, without knowing the race of the actors, Mm -hmm. and then re-ask them to have an opinion after they know if that would change. 
And I think that's what's interesting to me. Right. So. Right. It's like if you could have a situation where people were colorblind. Would that, how would that affect things? Yes. And then I think we spoke briefly about his relatively short suspension. Yeah. So there it is. Five games or so. Taylor. Yes. Sticking with sports. Sticking with sports. I only watch barely hardly any Olympics, maybe a night and a half. Is that an in, is that like a that doesn't seem like a regular choice for you? Well, there I've thought about this as it was happening. There's two things that play in this. One, okay. our children are older and we're much busier now. Right. Two, I really think the Olympics are the sort of thing where they really best service when they get to be background. Yes. Um, to our lives. And so, because nobody can watch all the Olympics, right? No, yeah. Um, but I, because the way TV has changed and we just don't do network TV anymore. Right. We didn't really watch it at all. So we watched it kind of on Friday when the cries were here. And um, Oh, that's so fun. Yeah, we had dinner together and then we sat in the living room and talked and I had it on without some, but it was funny. It was like the, the half pipe thing that the snowboarders do, but it was people with two skis. And I kid you not, like more than 50% of the people fell. <laughs> What? Really? Yeah. Like, I'm like, oh, this is the best in the world. Uh, knowing full well, I couldn't go down it without falling. Right. But sure. just like, whoa, I thought there'd be. Um, I read an interesting story about that half pipe, the skiing half pipe. Okay. Which was like this woman who really wanted to be an Olympian. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, she has some sort of family um, access to like other countries so she's able to compete for like a very small european country or something like that but you still have to qualify yeah and the way that she qualified is there was uh one weekend where there were two competitions going on and all of the like really big name skate uh, skiers all went to this competition in europe and so she went to this competition in asia and mm-hmm. you have to finish like top 13th to qualify for the Olympics. And there yeah. were only 12 people competing. Mm-hmm. And so she um, got to compete. I love that. And her, but like, she just skates, she just skis like up and then back and then the other way. And it's like her only goal is not to fall. Yeah. So there's that. She competed in the Olympics. She's an Olympian. How many people could say that? Exactly. Um, well, that's something. I um, I think I heard a story about that similarly, but from a previous Olympics. Um, that woman. It actually might have been a previous Olympics. Okay, but it was very much that. Um, did you see all the drama about the Russians? No, tell me about this. Okay, so did they cheat? Well, they've been cheating. <laughs> well, I'm very I'm very against Russia right now. I'm sorry. Oh, because of Ukraine. Well, there's that too. I just, I don't, never mind. I don't need to get political. <laughs> okay. I don't trust Putin at all. Yeah, that seems fair. Um, also, I it's just so hard for me. They were the villains in like every childhood sports movie. I know, they were. <laughs> so, <laughs> Rocky IV, yeah. Miracle, um, Red um, Dawn. Like the Mighty Ducks in yeah. the first, <laughs> I can't remember, the, the second or something. <laughs> Or maybe it's Iceland, but... Will it, will it ever be an issue of cultural sensitivity where Americans have to stop hating Russians? Yeah. <laughs> and and it's like, I'm so sorry. I can't because of Rocky, yeah. <laughs> you know, or whatever. So, anyways, 
I think that's a silly thing, but it does also make me distrust them. But the Russian Olympic Committee gets to compete. I, I did this. I do not understand it all, but it's like the Summer Olympics. You know, they had the like Russian Olympic Committee. Yeah. And it's like athletes and their coaches, but not. It's I like think not the thing is, actually is Russia. We're trying to honor the fact that there are these individuals who have worked hard their whole yeah. life and want this shot. They just aren't going to win for this country because this country will not have a win. Yeah, they're not going to win for their particular yeah. country because the country cheated win. or yes. whatever. Um, so same that at the Summer Olympics, there was like the Russian Olympic Committee. Yep. And also at the Winter Olympics, which I guess at this point, it's like there had not been enough time probably to like for them to come out from under uh, the sanctions they were under or something like that. Yeah. So it was also the Russian Olympic Committee competing at um, the Winter Olympics. And they had this like dynamite 15-year-old like Russian. Okay, maybe I did see something about this. Okay. Tell me the story though. Figure skater. And I have heard different, you know, obviously out in the media, there's like different varieties of the story. Um, but apparently in December, somebody's going to have to fill in the details for us. Okay. So somebody text us and tell us what actually happened. But in December, she tested positive for like a heart dr- medication drug that is like you're not allowed to take and be a competitor in the Olympics. Okay. Question. Yeah. Is it a medicine? Excuse me. That actually treats a heart condition that also doubles as a illegal drug? Okay, so yes, this is part of it, right? Okay. So she, her story and her coach's story is that it is her grandmother's heart medicine. Okay. And she had like been at her grandmother's and had accidentally oh, no. somehow... I'm, I already don't believe her. ...taken this heart medicine. Accidentally took the heart medication that was legal for the Olympics? Yeah, they got switched somehow okay. or something like that. <clears throat> and so she you know um, Shikari Richardson actually accidentally smoked marijuana well Shikari <laughs> yeah Shikari Richardson is that tweeted, her name right yeah okay. tweeted at one point like yeah I saw this what is the difference between me and this girl yeah I did a downer so uh, yeah, if anything yeah I should definitely still get you know she, and she said like as far as I can tell the only difference is that I am a black person yeah and that's like pretty hard to deny because <laughs> She got to, I mean, this, so not only, some people thought she should have a lifetime ban, which I think is too strong of a choice. Okay. Because she's a 15-year-old. and I don't I, think it's a too strong of a, or I think it's too strong of a ban for her. I don't think it's too strong of a ban for a Russian athlete who I think will be forced to cheat again. Well, sure. Well, but I just they think. They should just ban Russia from I Olympics. think a 15-year-old. They have all their athletes move to different countries. Yeah, there you go. Russia can never compete again. But I don't know. Well, they need all kinds of sanctions. Yeah. All kinds. And uh, But I don't think they care about sanctions. Anyways. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, Putin doesn't because he'll just let all the poor people die. That's rude of him. No, that's what he'll do. Well, that's rude. Their e- economic sanctions are coming and they'll affect him. They'll affect his popularity eventually. Yeah. But he'll just kill whoever disagrees with them. Ah, that is so crazy. Yeah. Did you ever follow any of the Navalny stuff? N- no. This is the other guy who like led the internal protests and ran against them. Yeah, the opposition. Did or like exposed Putin's mansion and all this stuff. Uh huh. Anyways. 
Um, Josh Putin is, is a modern day dictator. Josh has really worked up, you guys. He's like really <laughs> angry. Um, yeah, yeah, he's bad, very bad. Yeah. I already remember this when it comes time to vote. Um, so, uh, well, I think she's a fifteen-year-old. Okay. And it's the adults in her life that make choices for her, that like cause. They give her access or yeah. like make her take she things. She didn't go buy this on the black market right. by herself. Exactly. So I think a lifetime, I don't think a lifetime ban is quite fair. Um, I do think it's reasonable that she would have been, that they would have said like, oh, now that we know this, like you can't compete in this Olympics. Yeah. That feels normal to me. Well, what was the deal? She could compete, but she couldn't win a medal? Mm, no. She just couldn't... Oh, she could win a medal, too? Yeah. Everybody thought she was going to win gold. Oh, did she win? No. So, Byron Griffin was describing all of this to me on Friday night at Backside, but um, she, she fell multiple times while she was skating. I wonder if it was, like, just the pressure of the thing. And- yeah. And so, she was supposed to get first, and she ended up getting fourth, so she didn't medal. And then, is this where the picture I see of the coach yelling at the skater that everybody was talking about and somebody's like crying yeah yeah uh, so she, then the russians and well and for... also there's a picture of her like sobbing and the coach is like ignoring her right and then the there's another skater who was supposed to get like who was supposed to get fourth she's like a little older she was like 17 or something mm-hmm. and she was she got gold and there's this picture of her like sitting alone in a room, just holding this little teddy bear that she got for winning gold or something like that. And she's alone. What country is she from? Completely by herself. She's Russian also. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was a girl who was, I don't know what she I've is. seen Alias. This is exactly how they raise their children. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Kathleen watched Alias for a while. She might have watched all of it. And then there's this girl who got third, who I don't know what she thought she was going to get, but... Those skaters are all going to be um, KJBV agents in the future. Yes, exactly. They're all going to be... Um, they have offices in the Kremlin already. The whole skating the thing's girl, a cover. Um, they're going to be Florence Pugh yep. and Scarlett Johansson in yeah. that one movie. <laughs> there you go. So, yes, I don't know. I feel so sad for them. But also, it's like... I'm... I know it must be so sad to get fourth at the Olympics, but also it's like, can you imagine getting fourth at the Olympics? Can you, yeah. the for, fourth best in the world at anything at any point? Ever. Yeah. Not me. <laughs> Not me. Not even been close. Not me. Yeah. Maybe a fourth best podcaster. Yeah. Undiscovered podcaster. Probably so, yeah. Well, there's the Russians in the Olympics again cheating. I hope I didn't get any of the details wrong, but please someone fill us in on the cracks. Well, let's just finish it off. (laughs) Russia is now in the quote-unquote Russian-friendly, Kremlin-friendly parts of the Ukraine. Yeah. What does that mean? It means it's like Putin trying to do everything he can to get as much as he can without causing a fight before he causes a fight. But like, yeah, I get it. Um... Who, but I just don't understand, like, who are the other people? Like, do you think Russia's just, like, kind of holding their arm very tightly and being like, tell them we're friends? You yeah. know what I mean? Is that the vibe? I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. Okay. I did watch some Twitter videos of people fighting in a talk show, though, because 
some a Russian friendly was they said he's a traitor to the country and these are Ukrainians. So I don't think most Ukrainians want to be Russian again. No, I don't. That doesn't seem to be the vibe I've as I've understood. But I really can't get to the bottom of the socio political situation. Me neither. I mean, there's like Putin speaking about the rich history and how it should be part of Russia. I have I'm under no impression that he cares about any of that. I think he. You don't think so at all. Maybe, like, I mean, maybe he's like principled about his Russian heritage in that way. But I think, I think he is about ego, hundred percent about ego. He mm. wants Russia to be powerful. He wants to be important. He wants Russia to be the center of global conflict and ideals, and mm. like global decisions have to be reckoning through him. And this is a power grab to move towards that. Yeah, I get that. So. I do think Russia is um, confusing. Because it seems like it's so such a giant country, mm-hmm. but like so much of it is just it's cold. Moscow and Saint Petersburg. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Serbia. It's like Nevada, like it's Las Vegas and Reno. You know yeah. what I mean? Like right. Yes, yeah. that's a good analogy. Thank you. Um, there's um, th- there is a really good documentary I watched though about this. Like they're not tribal, um, but sure. they're, it's like off the grid community of like three hundred people. In this very remote part of Serbia. Oh. And they like, they make their life the old way, you know? They trap yeah. and they... Uh, it was fascinating. I loved it. I... There is something to me that's like so gentle and beautiful about things like that. That I'm no. like, I would love to do that. But it's like only if I had like a heater in my house. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like not actually 100% the old way, you know? Oh, yeah. No. Uh, I mean, they have amenities. But they're really stripped down. Yeah. Um, yeah, that uh, it, it's like the version of my life in the UP o- over in Russia. Also, as right. um, somebody who loves geography and in particular water, uh-huh. uh, Russia has Lake Bacall, which mm, is which is like big, right? Well, it's like in terms of surface area, uh-huh. it doesn't even come close to touching Superior. Okay. But it is so deep and so odd that it is the largest. Odd. Body of fresh water. I mean, think of like on a map if there's a fingernail uh-huh. and then Lake Superior is my whole thumb. Yeah. It's so like there's a sliver. And obviously that's exaggerated. It's it's probably like a sliver of this whole thing. But yeah. it's that, but it's just so deep that the total amount of water in Lake Bacall is more than Lake Superior. I, really, deep, really deep water scares me. Oh, yeah. I would not go down there. It's terrifying. <laughs> I would not go it's down It's like there. the Mariana Trench. No, thank you. Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. I love it. I don't have any desire to go to space either. I feel very, right, very Keeping scary. Keeping on planet Earth, on the ground. Very scary. So, from dust I am, dust I will return. I'll be the dust person, the dirt. I had a Hummus, friend, I, I had a friend in seminary mm-hmm. who always was like, what if there were aliens, though? Like, how does that affect your faith? Mm, Colossians 1, that's how it affects my faith. Next. <laughs> What remind me of Colossians one? Um, it's the Christ him in him all things oh. are held together. I mean, this is also John one in the beginning. Is no, the yes, that's exactly there, what I say. Like it doesn't mess. There's with cosmic anything. dimensions. Yeah. To and this is where Roar is very helpful in Universal Christ, which I didn't read without critique. Okay. But this part of it, it there's a a scope, a transcendent scope to the Christ story that yeah. anticipates these things. Yeah, I agree. Okay, well, Taylor. Yeah. I got a prompt on my computer, sorry. Um, did you know that is Palindrome Week? What does that mean? It means today, the crown jewel of Palindrome Week is 2-22-22. Yeah. Yesterday was 2-21-22. Today is 
tomorrow would be 2-23-22. So it's 2-2, number 2-2, all week long. Wow. Yeah, very special. That's cool. I put this in the newsletter. Won't happen again for another 11 years, one month, and one day. 11 years, one month, and one day. Yeah. So it starts, March it'll 3rd, be in March. March 3rd, 23-33, we'll be doing the same thing. And there are, I counted nine of these in a century. Nine of these moments. Oh. So you, if you're lucky, you get to see six or seven in your lifetime. That's cool. So I um. So I which f- ones have we seen? One eleven, eleven, and nine, nine, ninety nine. Probably for you. Yeah, of course. And eight, I was, eight, eighty eight. I was alive for, but I didn't pay attention to any of those. I was a baby. Yeah. I was born in May of eighty seven. Eight, eight, eighty eight. Uh, you're looking at the heat of the, the H. W. Bush Dukakis election. It would have been the last of the primaries before that November. Mm. And then 9999, I was in the midst of my final football season. Probably had a football game that night. You graduated in the year 2000? Yep. My gosh, I always remember being jealous of those people. I don't know why. It was kind of cool. Like, I mean, there's jokes to be had with the 00. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> um, like I'm people back who here. are marketing for New Year's, mm-hmm. they really found their niche in. The year 2000. Okay. Those glasses, they just still make them every year and they add a a number to them. Okay. But I do feel like 2000 was the year that they really like took off. Yeah. (laughs) Like on New Year's, you know? Well, it lends itself well. Okay. I I can tell you, oddly enough, exactly what I was doing the night after 9999. 9 September 9th 1999 okay that is weird that would have been the third week of my football season okay. on a friday the 10th we played stevens point Pacelli at home so i no, i can tell you what i did on 99 how do you know because i just remember i, I remember everything about my football um oh we would have done a run through for practice and then had a a chili or like a we always had team dinners on thursday like nights a meal, yeah and so we i know exactly the cafeteria we went to that's what i did that night you ate with your friends. Mm-hmm. Well, um, palindrome week. Just don't miss it. Don't miss today. Today's special. I won't. Two, two, twenty-two. Twenty-two. Uh, Taylor, the All-Star game happened this weekend. Yeah. Did you see the I ending? I would like to point out that technically it's like zero, two, zero, two. Yeah, don't ruin it. Okay. No, it's just zero, twenty-two, zero, two, twenty-two, twenty-two. It's February, so it's zero, two. Twenty-second, yeah. twenty-two. Sure, zero two two two. Yeah, sure. There's all kinds of way you could ruin this, <laughs> but you don't have to. Okay, okay. I won't. You're right. You're right. I won't. Yeah. Um. Uh, the basketball All Star game was the only thing I will yeah. say is, uh, LeBron hit a turnaround jumper to kind of seal the deal in Cleveland. Right. Very cool. And man, though, I haven't. I never watched like the Pro Bowl or All Star games or even the baseball one, which is yeah. probably the most competitive. But like the, the basketball, basketball one, one, yeah, the basketball one. Like I watched Steph shoot a three. They literally the defense doesn't play deep. They literally stand under the rim and wait for them to shoot and get the ball back. It's so bad. Yes, they do not do. They do not try. Which I already feel. I love the NBA, obviously, uh-huh. but I already feel sometimes about just like normal games. Mm-hmm. Like they're just always taking five steps and not dribbling. Yeah, and nobody cares. And yeah. yeah. Um, so it already feels that way in like normal games sometimes, especially Uh for people who are all-stars. And then, so then at the all-star game, it's like, are they even like playing differently or is this how they always play? Do you know what I mean? Um, wait, can I tell you, interrupt with a 
non sequitur sequitur. Absolutely. So <laughs> watched a TikTok. And um, you know the hard and back step where everybody debates whether or not he travels when he shoots his threes? Right, yeah. Okay, so this high school kid is dribbling. They're down by a point or two points or whatever. Uh-huh. Five seconds left. Uh-huh. This is all in the frame. He dribbles, dribbles, doesn't do anything, picks up the ball, takes the hard and step back, shoots, drains it. Uh-huh. And as soon as he steps back, the ref calls a travel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ends the game. <laughs> and is like, yeah, that is traveling. I love that so much. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Poor kid, too. He's like, James Harden does it. Yeah. And the ref is like, I don't care. Yeah. That's not good. It is a travel. He shouldn't do but that. But I will say this. The ref like was like right behind him and like hounding him. It's like Watch he, he was ready to call it. Yeah. He knew he was going to do it, and he was ready to call it, which uh, I'm like, oh. I know. Um, Being a ref is no fun. Oh, I think it's, it's the sort, worst. It's sort of like um what you just said to me. Like, you don't have to ruin it. Yeah. That's what being a ref is like. Just yeah. all the time. Like, you don't have yeah. to ruin it. <laughs> yeah. But, it's the worst. Yeah. Hey, President's Day yesterday. President's Day. You wanted to talk about the worst presidents. <laughs> I wanted to talk about how President's Day is not always good and how many of our presidents have made bad choices. That is true. I don't know, though, that you could be a president and not make a bad choice. Um, Sure. You F- will make a choice that will likely kill at least one person. But, like, FDR and, like, Japanese confinement, like... Like, some of them are really bad. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and he's held up as one of the top three presidents. One of the good ones, but... That's what I'm saying. Even the most altruistic presidents we had have made decisions that have put people in harm's way. I think so, too. I think that is what normal people are going to do, but I think there's a way in which maybe we hold up presidents that we shouldn't. They're just normal people like us. Yeah. And they make big, bad... They have so much power. Uh-huh. That they make the choices are bad. Even the know? best people hurt people. Best leaders hurt people. That's true. That's so sad. It's so scary to be a leader. Now, um, there are some just bad presidents too. Yeah, like who? Um, well, there's one that I probably could say, but I'm not gonna say. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, that, it feels almost cheap at this point. It'll be too soon. Yeah. Uh, no, but Andrew Jackson, Trail of Tears. Yeah. Pretty bad. Yeah. Um, then there's ones like you know it was interesting. I listened to that whole podcast series, and Buchanan always gets yeah always gets slammed as the worst right after, um, because uh, he didn't do anything about slavery, you know, right in front of Lincoln. Yeah. Well, that was a problem, a substantial problem for like five presidents before Lincoln, and none of them did anything. Right. So that can't be pinned down. Also, I think in she she made the case, and I think she's right that Buchanan was gay. Oh, um, there's some language and letters they found between him and a senator who were very close. That was like, that's not just. Yeah. So. Um, so I like to think he was dealing with some emotions that he wasn't allowed to have in a time in history. I think there is probably more than just him that was gay. Um, and then Franklin Pierce, for President 14, a uh, tragic story about his son dying. Not long before he took office, like it was well, I'm not going to describe what happened, but it was terrible. Yeah. Um, so that's sad. Yeah. There's a sound on TikTok Mm -hmm. that I really like. Okay. And it's like, (laughs) uh, and history will call them. And then it's like best friends, like whatever, closest brothers. And then it's like anything but lovers. History hates lovers. And it's always like people who 
were historically like married or thought of as like heterosexual hmm. but who there's like and but they'll show pictures of them with like their rumored like lover or whatever and insinuating that it's like they were actually secretly gay and i think sometimes that's dangerous because you have to be careful right I don't know where all those pictures come from. I don't know what the context of all of them is. But I do think it's interesting to think um, <laughs> that, uh, um, you know, that we, just about the context of history and, like, what was acceptable and what was not. And, yeah. Um, well, and do you judge a president by moral norms of their day or by what's, you know? Right, yeah. What's evolved? Because it, I mean, we're all going to be judged eventually. Then. Yeah. Oh, of course we are. So. Yeah. It, actually, I think there is. Um. <laughs> my least favorite thing is people who are like. I totally would have gotten it if mm-hmm. I lived in the sixties. Probably not. And um, that's exactly how I feel. I feel like you saying that is absolutely revealing that you would not have gotten it. You know. Right. And the so. litmus test is. If there was a substantial ideal being propagated in the public, s- what do you call that? Public specter, sec- sector, like sector, sector. Yeah. When you had a chance to be a, a thought contributor, and you you did oppose the ideal, then I think you're you're yeah. culpable. Yeah, I think so too. Like if it was squarely presented to you, and you had a chance to accept it. Yeah. So, but um, speaking of the presidents. Yes. That oh, man, gosh. that is not a president. That was such a great... But no, I was thinking about John Adams in that part where he's like... Yeah. He laughing because Adams got elected. Oh, yeah. When it's like George Washington steps down. Yeah. And he's like, who is going to take over? Yeah. And then they tell him and he laughs. Uh, and I did think... I was very conflicted about Adams because he was a one-term president. And I think he sure. just didn't have the relational ability to keep office because mm. he was so principled. Yeah. Have you watched the uh, Adams thing on HBO? No. No. But Adams, I have immense respect for because he was opposed to slavery the whole time. Yeah. And that's Well, that's the thing, right? Like, you can't just say Buchanan is the guy who's not taking care of slavery. Like... Yeah. They were abolitionists the whole time. Yep. So, uh, John Adams, um, I have more respect for him than than I think he gets. Hmm. Interesting. He's the one president who doesn't have a memorial. I guess one founding father who doesn't. He doesn't? Mm-mm. Why not? Nobody raised the money for it? Yeah. There's a group that's trying to do it. Oh. I think they'll be successful. Interesting. That was in the episode, too. I should but, watch it. Well, listen to it. It's a podcast. Also, um, like, uh, what is the thing, the mountain with all the faces of the president? Mount Rushmore. It should not exist. That's huh. bad. No, let's remind ourselves who's not Lincoln. Uh, Washington, yeah, Ted Roosevelt, uh-huh. and I've been there. I've never been there. Jefferson, yeah. Alexa, who's on Mount Rushmore? Jefferson. Yep. Yeah. 
Which I think what's interesting is, I don't know when that was built, but that FDR is not in there. Just not given what you think about his resume, but how he's appraised in history. He's usually number one on lists. Yeah, I think. Well, he served longer than anybody else. Yeah. Um, no, but it is like a, one of the Native American tribes uh, who lived historically lived on that land. It is mm. like a sacred mountain for them. Oh. So it feels aggressively like... Why did we pick that one? I... Uh, <laughs> it feels aggressively like... Mm. you Mean. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. somebody chose a mountain that was sacred and yeah. decided to like turn it into something. I mean, that's fine. You know? Yeah. Well, there you have it. That's the... Um, that's what I have for this week. Do you have anything else? I like. I feel very complainy this week. Well, we're gonna fix it. We're gonna have a good second half of the podcast. <laughs> okay. Hey, well, you know what time it is. Yeah. One, two, three. Quiz, quiz time. time. Okay, I have a St. Patrick's Day quiz for you. Since oh, okay. Are you sad? Well, I just I don't. I think I'll do as good on this as I did the Valentine's Day quiz. Oh yeah. Um. No, this seems more shamrock normal. Of which country is St. Patrick the patron saint? Ireland. Okay, let's see. Why can't I see the answers? There it is. Um, yeah. You were right. One for one. How do I get to that? Oh, wow. I really didn't look into this. Okay. How many leaves four. does a shamrock have? Four. I thought four was like a special. Yeah. Four. It does have four. You're right. Okay. See, you've already done better. Shamrocks are special. What will you get if you don't wear green in on St. Patrick's Day in the United States? Nothing. No, you know what you get. If you don't wear green? Oh, wait. No. It says no homework. Uh, here are your options. Do you want to Yeah, know? options. A pinch, a prize, oh, a, a kiss, or no homework? Pinch. Yes. You get pinched. A pinch. I don't think in reality you do, but... You know, what color was originally associated with St. Patrick? Mm, purple. Blue, red, green, or orange? Well, I'm going to guess green, even though it's obvious. Okay. Green's right. Okay. I don't know why they were trying to. Yeah, that was, that was a trick, trick question. Oh, no, sorry. I'm wrong. Somehow this is confusing. Blue. It was blue. blue. Yeah. That makes sense, too. Emerald Isle. According to legend, what animal did saint patrick chase out of ireland oh i think i've heard snakes yes i think i've heard that too snakes ireland is a snake free island praise the lord yeah i should go there snakes are terrifying which of these is a nickname for ireland (laughs) snake free island okay angel island okay Island of Dolphins okay. or the Emerald Isle? Emerald Isle. Yes, you are correct. Um, according to one popular belief, what would you find a leprechaun holding at the end of a rainbow? A pot of gold. A pot of gold. Yeah, that's right. On which day in March is St. Patrick's Day celebrated? 17th. The 17th. I wouldn't have known that. Um, which of these dishes is commonly eaten on St. Patrick's Day? Corned beef and cabbage. In the United States, that is an option. Yeah. How did you know that? Because I'm Irish. 
You are? Carney. <sighs> wow. I think it was O'Carney. Kill Carney, maybe. Kill Carney is very popular there. So. It's spelled with a K over in Ireland. Carney? Yep. Um, okay. Hold on. I did something bad. But I'll fix it. Nobody worry. Um, I'm actually more German than I'm Irish, but it is it is my last name. You're more German? Mm-hmm. How do you know all these things? Just like your family told you? Um, I feel like they're kind of popular tropes in America. I don't know. But like Northern America, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Or the Northern United States. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. I do think people talk more about that. Um, Did I win? Well, hold on. There's one more. Okay. Or a, a few more. I just need okay. to. I clicked out of it, but I'm finding it. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Corned beef. But did you eat? eat do you eat corned beef? Well, on St. Patrick's Day. You do? I've had it. Yeah. The United States is home to the famous St. Patrick's Cathedral in which city? Boston. Boston, Massachusetts is an option. No. New York. Yeah. Yep. New York, New York. New York. Okay, that was the last one. Well, that was fun. You did really good at that. Well, I'll give myself credit. Well, I, I have f- a. I'm going to do the commercial, but remind me to ask you a question when we come back. <laughs> okay. Hey, Taylor. Hey. Well, guess who came back to sponsor us for one more day? Who? Moe's Cookies. Moe's! Yeah. I will say this. Um, let me tell you the story of Moe's. By okay. the way, they have now expanded it in custom cakes. <gasps> um, they do the... They uh, have? Bar none, I will argue with whoever, best cookies in Wago. Mm. You know what my favorite is? What? The s'more. A s'more cookie? No, it's actually called Campfire, but it's basically a s'more. Oh. Uh-oh. Our commercial is being interrupted by the boss. The boss? Yeah, I'm going to have to take this. Okay. Sorry, listeners. We may re-record. Taylor, we're back to this exciting (laughs) commercial (laughs) for Moe's Cookies, which has just all the best stuff. My favorite, I was saying, is a campfire, but you can get everything. They have dessert cups, ice cream, cookies, cookie cakes, cinnamon rolls, brownies. It's all. Uh So uh, head over to Moe's at the location that is not in front of me on my screen. But um, who you could fall. You know, I will tell you this interesting story. Um, Thank you. So last year during, uh, oh, here we go, 914 Lake Air Drive, Waco, Texas. Um, there, I will say only open, I think, Wednesday through Saturday. So plan your trip. They open at 1130 a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, I first learned about Moe's last year during Black History Month when somebody sure. posted a list of black businesses to support. Yeah. And I saw a cookie, which was the only one I was interested in. <laughs> and, um, right. Oh, my gosh. I, I really cannot tell you how good the cookies are there so delicious and they're reasonable 250 a piece which sounds like a lot for a cookie well but it's, it's a cookie kind of a lot for like a if you remember that one fancy one downtown bittersweet was it? i don't remember what it's called yeah that's they what were it great was but they were like five six bucks a cookie well they did just up and move to houston so they so, abandoned us yeah this, this you know who matter. would never abandon us most cookies most cookies they're here to stay yeah so do yourself a favor go to moe's get a cookie and live your best life absolutely right now yeah and we're back. We're back. Okay, this is what I was going to tell you before the break. Okay, can I say something, though? Yeah. Really quick. Yeah. Um, last week um, was Holland Harp's birthday. Shout out to Holland. Yeah. 
and um she brought some cupcakes and they were from sweetness bakery and they were delicious and i'd never been there before mm, well we'll have to see if sweetness wants to be a sponsor in our last episode <laughs> yes okay now what was the thing you were gonna say i also this week was at the refit studio uh-huh. And um, somebody Do you had just bro- like drop it in there sometimes? Uh, no, I'll tell you why later. Okay. It, it actually has to do with UBC. But anyways, okay. um, they randomly, people bring them desserts all the time. Well, somebody had like a Bundt Cakes place and there's like mini Bundt Cake cupcakes. Nothing Bundt Cakes? Yeah. I had that for the first time. That was good. Very good. Yeah. Lots of dessert options. And they have a bunch of different sizes, like yeah. depending on how much cake you want. Well, these must have been the smalls. Very tiny. But yeah. that's great. Sometimes that's what you want. Well, I, I'm usually in dessert. I'm for extra large, please. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. I love dessert. Tof hates dessert. Well, eh, yeah. Does that surprise you? No. So, Tof. All right. Tof's a weirdo. So are <laughs> you, though. Me? Yeah. A weirdo? Yeah. But different kind of weirdo. Absolutely. What's that's, my most weirdo thing? You're the type of weirdo that wants only extra large desserts, and Toph is the type of weirdo that wants... Oh, who doesn't want extra large no, desserts? Toph. Yeah, well, what do you want? Regular size desserts? <laughs> yeah. No, you want an extra large dessert, too. <laughs> Give me as much as the good stuff as possible. I yeah. guess when I want a dessert, I do. It is like... Go a, bigger. I Go want home. an extra large dessert. Yeah. Well, um, Taylor, yeah. here's my question from before. Okay. Santa Claus... Uh-huh. The Tooth Fairy, uh-huh. the Easter Bunny, uh-huh. uh, a Leprechaun from St. Patrick's Day. Okay. Give me, are there any others I'm missing? I guess Jacko, whatever from Halloween. Mm, sure, sure. sure. Okay. Of these mythical figures, uh-huh. if you could make one of them real, yeah, which one would you wish into existence? Um, I think Santa Claus. All the rest I find terrifying. That's true. Santa Claus blesses everybody too. <laughs> yeah, like the bunny. Absolutely not. That's too big of a bunny. Can you imagine just a giant bunny, <laughs> yeah. real rabbit, yeah, it doesn't setting seem, eggs in the yard? It doesn't seem good, you know? No. Um, even like the bunny costumes, I feel like the kids are scared of them. But yeah. I guess they get scared of Santa Well, Claus. and how about a tooth fairy for freakiness? That would be... If Sneaking I woke up in, and there was someone in my yard, like in my Santa house... Santa Claus is no less freaky, though. Like somebody, a random stranger dropping down your chimney and... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, yeah, but I think some people would choose like it would be great to find the Halloween one, a pot of gold at the end of a rainbow, though. Absolutely, that would be a big win. But I've seen that video of, of them being like, "You're wrong, Patrick." Too many times, I feel like they'd be mean to me. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> Your gold's not here. Try another rainbow. Yeah. yeah. I so, got a feeling that's not real. So okay, yeah. So you're probably right. Well, Taylor, um, we thought we'd take this opportunity for listeners to just talk about life changes. Yeah. Because I'm in the midst of one. Big one. Midlife crisis. No. Bought a new car, got a new job. Oh, yeah. Car's still coming. Do you think that's it, though? A midlife crisis? I mean, do you think you're having one? I don't know. I mean, whatever. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe, right? Like, I don't feel like I left this job because of midlife crisis. I feel like it was. I never thought about it, but like that, I had not thought about it in that context before, but like. I guess that's like you're I the am, right age. I'm the ripe age for second half of life stuff. Is yeah. that maybe a gentle way to say it? Yeah. I didn't buy a Corvette. Right. I bought a another vehicle to put 80 kids in. Right. But sure. um, it's at least a little sportier for my sake. Yeah. So. It's a Subaru, right? Subaru Ascent. That's cool right now. I think can, it's very in right now. Can fit seven passengers. Wow. And I got the Onyx Edition, which means it'll look great. But um, there's also that stream. There's the great resignation stream. Yeah. Right. That's true. 
I think this I know everybody had exhaustion during the pandemic, and that was exacerbated in people's lives by the pan or by the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, whatever you were feeling before, you felt way more during the pandemic. Yeah, before. exponentially. But um, yeah, so I had been thinking about this decision for a while. Yeah. And I applied for a job. And can I tell you a funny story? Sure. Um, that I can now tell and it can be funny. Yeah. So I applied for a job in the Waco ISD. Mm-hmm. And this is a job I'd like, you know, some jobs you're just like, I'm not going to get this job. Sure. So it's a whole automated system. And I'm like discovering what I need as I'm filling out the thing. Right. So um, it had to put references. <laughs> so I put Kathy's name down because she's like my boss. And um, I kid you not. <laughs> Not like a minute after I hit submit, I got a text from Kathy on a Saturday to say, did you just apply for a job at Waco SD? And you were like, hmm. And I'm like, I maybe need to come over and talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> what an interesting question you posed. She, she was really gracious. but um, She's the best. Yeah. So there's all that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, um, it's also very terrifying to be in your 40s and think, well, I'm going to do something different. Yeah. Yeah. Start over. Yeah. I've never thought about it that way. So I did change careers, as you know. Like I've done te- one already. I was a teacher, right? Yeah. yeah. And then and then now I'm a pastor, I guess. Yeah. Um, did that feel scary? Well, you decided to go to... No, you were, you were pastoring when we called you. Yes. Okay, but you did decide to leave teaching and go to seminary. Yes. Was that scary? Yes. Because like I'm walking away from a revenue stream. Yes. Taking on more debt. Yes. Yeah, I and um, so that was very scary. Uh, not, I felt like I had a lot of support though. Yeah. You know? So that's really good and nice. And I felt very motivated to, uh, you know, I felt <laughs> Kathleen did the same thing. Kathleen taught for several years and then came to do her dual degree and she's in class now with like these like 23 year olds who are doing the accelerated like mm. msw and um they'll often like she'll say like it, you know it's all gonna be fine it's gonna work out and there's multiple ways you know, she, you know she'll just give them advice sometimes or something like that and uh there's this one girl in her classes. There are a few of them that have voiced things like this, but there's this one girl in her classes this year who will just be like, you are like so wise. <laughs> I She told her one time, I wish I could tattoo every single word you say onto my body. <laughs> and so... You know what I had to do for my ego is I had to go do a graduate program. <laughs> yeah. So Kathleen said that she just is always having to be like, I'm going to be really honest. This is not some sort of special education or formation I've done. Like, just like one day you two will be 30 and yeah. you will know more than you do now, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think that felt lucky mm-hmm. um, to go back to school after having some like real world experience. I think you were probably would appreciate it more than you maybe would if you came right from. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I definitely did, I guess. Well, and I remember when I was in seminary, there were some folks who it was definitely second career, huh. and they were in their 50s. Yeah. And I could tell that they were enjoying themselves in a way that I wasn't, <laughs> and I could also tell that professors appreciated them 
I'm not going to say in a way that they didn't appreciate the rest of us, but that there was some shared wisdom there, that there was a mutual understanding. Yeah. And um, now that I'm older, yeah, I can feel what that is. Yeah. That That is, I still go up to Truett every week to do Covenant Group. Uh-huh. And it is, right now, I'm with like a first-year group. Uh-huh. And the things they say, <laughs> I'm just like, no. Yeah. That is so sweet, you yeah. know? Yeah. There is something like so energizing about that, mm-hmm. but also like so many parts of it that are that I can I never thought of it, but that I can imagine a professor would be like glad to have like somebody in their fifties or forties or fifties, sure, to be able to kind of cut looks at or mm-hmm. just to have say you know speak some wisdom into the room in a way that is not like professorial, you know. So, yeah, I do think, but at 25 or 24, it's like, it was different than that 40. 40. Yeah. Wow. Oh, we got company. Oh, love company. My children are home now. Well. Let's hit pause and readjust here. Okay. Well, new studio. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, okay, so you said, but you said in the fall... You were applying for jobs. Yeah, and jobs, plural. I mean, really, it was the home, the school, and then I my brother got a job at Deloitte. Hmm. Yeah. And that's the one I'd reference Sunday where I got all the way through this pretty large process of okay. several interviews and really hours to prep for an interview. Yeah. I was a consultant. And I was, it's just, it's crazy to learn about these worlds that exist when you're prepping yeah. to potentially enter them. But um, I think with that rejection, too, it was like, ooh, that is not, wouldn't have been good at that. Oh. Ultimately. Really? Well, there's parts of it that would be good at, but I don't know. I just there, so what's really going to be tough for me is yeah. having moved out of something so meaningful. Sure. And like the identity piece there, and yeah, uh, that's probably the largest loss I feel, aside from loving the people that I right won't get to have this relationship with in the same way anymore. But um, yeah, I feel like you've been very clear that the people will be the thing that are yeah. that you really miss. But the, I think it makes sense. Yeah, well, I think one of the things I feel most thankful for is that the work I do feels meaningful. But yeah. I think the work you're moving into feels meaningful also. Yeah, I just won't have such a direct relationship with the meaning. Okay, yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I... Um, no, it's true. Healthcare is very important. Yeah. Um, this is an institution that offers healthcare indiscriminately to marginalized people. Right. And I'm going to help raise money so that they can keep doing that. Yeah. Which is very important work, right? But I see what you're saying, that it's not like, like I feel that the work I do is meaningful like every day, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Like I feel it in ways that are like tangible. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. when I get a coffee with someone or even like prepping the supplies for a Sunday morning or whatever, like that is a very there's a very clear purpose for that or whatever yeah washing the mugs isn't something i'll miss <laughs> picking up mint wrappers you know one of the things i was was i talking to you about this what um maybe not maybe i said something to jamie but um you know the length of institutional memory mm-hmm. that we will will ha- share without you on staff is much shorter than like we are losing an on-staff understanding of, like, institutional memory in a pretty substantial way, I think. 
Yeah, I think what's at play there is I was a member of UBC for a few years, too, before mm-hmm. I worked there at a pretty critical time. Right. So, you know, I only have three years on TOEF. Okay. Um, Fourteen and a half. Well, it's like three and a half, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyhow, um, but I also have those three years before. Of course, he worshipped there for a year or two before, too. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So I have 17 and a half years at UBC. Yeah. Of being there in a pretty active... And I was on a leadership team before I worked there. Really? And um, I, I served... So many people were on leadership team before they served, before they got a job there. Jamie was, incidentally. Yeah, you and him. Um, but, yeah. I, I'm sorry, I got lost there. I forgot what we were talking about. But um, you made the comment the, losing the institutional memory. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm... The last connection to the origins, which that yeah. could be healthy too, though. I um, well, yeah, and um, yeah. At this point, I don't feel like. I feel like we have many like healthy options moving forward. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, it's like anything else. I'm excited. It is for what we make it. I think people to be surprised in a great way. Yeah, you think so? Yeah. Yeah. There's grief, and then there's surprise. And there's new things, and there's yeah. stuff to be excited about. Yeah, and it, I do think it's interesting the way in which like a pastor search committee and like hiring a new pastor is like. I feel like for us, it feels like a giant deal. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So you're the first person that was ever like hired, right? Uh, no, not first hired. Kyle was technically hired. Okay, but I was well, and I was right, the I last guess- one to be hired in such a scandalous way. I think. Right. Which was like, I just basically got picked by the existing staff. Sure. So one of the first things I did was form a committee to hire an eight-hour-a-week part-time children's ministry coordinator. Uh-huh. And you have really bridged the gap, I think, between movement and institution. Yeah. I've talked about that a few times. And it's just, you know, and I think for Dave and Kyle and Ben, although Kyle was a great leader, I wonder if he wouldn't have gotten there just mm-hmm. with a few more years. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, those guys just kind of flew by the seat of their pants. And they were really good at, at the doing kind, that the kind of leader. And it was mostly college students. Right, yeah. And so they also utilized the leadership team in a much, much different way. Yeah. Um, which made sense for college students. I mean, they, yeah. they kind of lived and breathed up there. Yeah. Anyways, they're up there playing Mario Kart. So. Right. Um, that's so funny. Yeah. Um, that's so funny to think about. Yeah. Um, sorry, but we were talking kind of about life choices, transformations, mm-hmm. different things like that. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing that impacted me was, because um, it took a lot of courage to finally get myself to say, maybe you should really think about it. To yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Adam Grant, I don't know if you know that name. Yeah. He uh, is a staff, or like an organizational psychologist at Tufts, and he had posted something this summer where it said... You know, if you're 40, and he was using that loosely, right? He didn't mean 40. Yeah. But if you're 40. <laughs> I mean, like, if your birthday was yesterday. Right. Um, and you are thinking about career change and don't want to do it because it'll set you back two years. It's like, think about your life for the next 30 if you right. don't. Yeah. And my situation is not that dramatic, right? Sure. Uh, but I did also think if i ever going to leave UBC, I seriously doubt I'll go to a different church, which is, I think, maybe unique 
position for lead pastors who make career changes, right? I think most think next bigger church. Right. Um, that was never really going to be on the table for me. Um, and so he said, but you'll, you'll lose the next 30. And so I, I did think, huh, like what I'm not being honest about is if I'm going to do this, it's just going to take some courage and it's going to be scary. Yeah. And there may be some setbacks. Yeah. And I have to be willing to accept those. Um, sure. But I think it was weird because I turned 40 in July and I saw that right around that time. Mm-hmm. I thought, okay, maybe that's the spirit speaking through Adam Grant. Felt serendipitous. Yeah. Um, I do think that's very interesting. Um, and do you think, I especially think, like you said, that it's kind of strange for a senior pastor to think like, I mean, for you to have in your head, like, I don't think it'll be, an, the next job will be another church, but mm-hmm. I think it'll be something else. How did that like, did you discern that, or did you just always think that? Or? Oh, no, I knew that the day I got hired at UBC, uh-huh. which I think was one of the jarring things about it. Yeah. It was like, oh, I've arrived at Mecca on day one. Yeah. It made me feel like I'd won the lottery right away, too, right? Yes. Um, and, you know, there are sister-type churches that I could conceive of myself pastoring. That's not the thing, but I just, I don't know that I would ever have as much theological freedom again from the get-go. Yeah. Um, and that's because UBC was so young. Right? No, I still feel that way. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's comparative. Like, it's more like when I think about my friends that work at other right. churches. Yeah. Um, and, like, I mean, many things. You know, they get, like, two Sundays off a year. Yeah. And we get considerably more than that, like, right away. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, like, also I have friends who it's like, well, I can't you know, drink a margarita in the county that my church is in. I have to drive, like, yeah. 45 minutes. That's you know, Stuff like that. Yeah. It just feels to me... You know, and I think I thought going into ministry, like, will I ever have space uh-huh. to be able to say, like, well, I am a pro-choice person. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, and so the fact that UBC is is such a place where you can be yourself as a pastor is like such a gift. And I think it's particular like none of that will come up at your next job, right? Like mm-hmm. nobody's going to say like what are your political positions on abortion or whatever, but like yeah. For for a church, it is just a place where there is freedom. Right. Yeah, I think another thing that's been really weird for me so far is packing up my office and deciding where to put all these books just in the sheer volume of them. Sure. But also I've realized every book on my bookshelf is a contribution to my identity. Sure. Um, and it's like, I'm not going to put these books in my new office because I don't know what they would mean there. Right, yeah. Well, and I'm not going to hang my seminary diploma because it it's not that it doesn't mean, I mean, it's valuable, I got a master's, but it's not like right. I'm educated in this thing and I can do this because look, you know? Because look at that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, okay, well, um, get your TPS charts in by four, you know? <laughs> sure. Uh, so that's weird, right? Yeah. To have been gifted a thing where everything I'm doing, a lot of my leisure uh-huh. spent is serving my vocational identity. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I'm not going to order books on fundraising i probably will do that to learn some but like not as a something you know i'm adding to myself out of discipline not out of passion yeah i think you know you i on sunday you gave voice to the fact that like you are not going to say there's like not 
ever another church in the future for you. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I think there's a chance you get caught up in healthcare and oh yeah, for sure. Get yes, passionate and you know buy well, books well, about. Well, what I could, what I'll get passionate about is conceiving challenges yeah. and using my gifts to solve problems. Right. That's yeah. what I'll. Whether or not that was medical field or not. Sure. That's if if I take off, that's what it'll be. Right. Especially if the schmoozy part of myself gets to yeah. accomplish that. Gets there, yeah. If I have a sense I'm greasing the wheels and that's contributing to our success and Yeah. So Yeah. What a um do you feel excited about like the potential for like you as a dad and spending time with your family and like do you feel like that'll be different or um, I don't know. It, it may change the way I conceive of my own freedom, which may make me more intentional in the evenings. Uh-huh. But because I can show up for my kids in ways now uh-huh. that other parents can't with my schedule flexibility. Sure. I think I, I but I, I have a lot of freedom to in the evenings. In fact, there are constraints are not so much church as they are our own schedules like theater practice. And right. Roy has Nintendo <laughs> something or another that's school related somehow. <laughs> um, school related. Somehow. So, but yeah. Yeah. So you don't think that'll it'll change? Much? I don't know. That's the thing is I. You'd be very proud of me. I've been very present through this. I've not been future and not like plan the next thing. And in fact, I have a stack of emails for my next job. I'm like, oh, I'll get there. But wow, that's not my job right now. So. Well, you also said the church is not your job right now. That's true. I didn't tell you all <laughs> that. That was for a joke. But. Yeah, I know, but still. <laughs> funny. Um, okay, well, no, but, you know, as we're talking about transitions, I don't think we discussed what actually ended up happening. You So you applied for both those jobs and didn't get them. And then the thing that actually happened was... Yeah, um, so... Jackson came by, and Jackson's close enough. He knew that I was in the midst of vocational transition, so mm-hmm. that's probably a piece I didn't say Sunday. Sure. And so it, it wasn't a complete unprompt that right. he came by. Right. But um, it, the the foundation stuff that I'm going to also all happened really fast too. Mm. So and when he the the actually we were sitting right here when he came oh, and talked really? to me, yeah. um, and uh, I just said, well. Um, what kind of timeline are we looking at? I'm thinking, you know, six months though. It's like, sure. well, the other guys are going to be hired February 1st. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. So that was much faster than I would have liked. Yeah. But it seems, seems to be working. So, yeah. So are they already started? The other guys both started. Yeah. Okay. I've delayed my start date. Maybe and not. Maybe end of it. Fe- I don't remember. And then it'll be, like, how many people will eventually will you be, like, in an office building with? I don't know. I have no idea. I think it depends on our own success, right? Okay. That's the thing with fundraising. Right, sure. Yeah, that I mean, if sense. we raise $70 billion, a lot. Probably, yeah. <laughs> if we barely cover our hinders, which my boss has said he thinks we'll make just enough to pay for ourselves the first year. Okay. So, I trust he knows that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh... My great uncle started a hospital in Arlington. Really? Yeah. Started? I, I can't even imagine that. Yeah. How do you start a hospital? I don't know. He was so old that I can't even conceive of what that was like. Yeah. Like, it probably was just like buying a building or something. But right. Simpler back then. Yeah. 
but also I think that's very that is very silly to think about I also think about that Annie Dillard quote all the time Mm. that's more about like scripture and thinking of people in scripture yeah we're all just chickens and Mm. we like always have been you know Mm -hmm. um and I do think I think Sean mentioned that on Sunday in in a way that I liked yeah about how like we are all people throughout history and so anyways it probably was much more complicated than I can conceive of but Mm -hmm. it was no it was my great aunt's dad so it was in like the early 1900s um but it is so interesting to think that like that's what people do and that fundraising is like what allows things to happen um allows big changes to get made yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So you were talking some about that, the moment when you saw that tweet and yep. sort of made a choice to at least engage in thinking mm-hmm. about the fu- the possibilities for the future. Um, did, what did it, what did it feel like to move through? Like, oh, yeah, maybe this, maybe a change is coming into, like, I think a change is definitely coming. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think it was very sobering. Really? It was, it was, every stage has been immediate grief. Really? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it wasn't, it's never been about the next job. It's been about leaving UBC. Right. So, um, yeah, I like. I think too. Like, it's been so unusual for me to say that I haven't really future planned. But it's again because it's like this is the thing I'm I'm leaving is. Yeah. So. Um, that it's like hard to imagine past that, or yeah, you just haven't. I just haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll get there, and a part of it is I don't yes, have a clear will. sense of what I'll be doing yet. Right. Which is kind of funny. It's a new thing. Um, but I had a clear sense of what I thought I was going to do in this job. Okay. Right. That evolved. Yeah. But sure. yeah, no, um, it took, it was just hard to make the decision, right? It was hard. The, I, I went to the doctor yesterday cause I've been having stress that translated into my heart doing irregular things again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I had moments where I would wake up in bed in the middle of the night and you know how you have those panic things that like shoots through your body. Right. You just, and you're like really awake and you, you're, you're like brains catching up with, uh, trauma that you're experiencing like oh, wait wait what's going on again and i'm like I, I had several moments like wait are you really doing this right um so that was hard yeah isn't that kind of crazy though how things like embody physically mm-hmm. how like my body knows yeah yeah brain decisions can do that to our bodies yeah. no that really is crazy so, but it's weird too. I will say this, you know, like with UBC, it wasn't even, do you have peace? It was just sheer elation when I got offered that job. There like, wasn't a discernment. There was, oh, was right, like, yeah. oh my God, I just won the lottery. I know. Um, I am. And I usually have a lot of peace <laughs> in my decisions. Sure. And I just think that that's harder to have the older you get. I agree because you see so much more of yes. the picture. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I, I think what's new for me is that I haven't had the ease of peace that I've had that in you've the past. Had. Yeah. 
Um, but I think that's just like you said. It's the older you get, the more less my myopic your vision of the world is. And well, I remember even like so. I got a call offered this like teaching job. I did not think of it at, about it at all. I was like, yeah, immediately. Like I can be there tomorrow. And they're like, uh huh. Contract time is like two months from now. Um, but I remember when I got like when we were on the phone and I asked for some time to think about it, which was not like I felt amazing about UBC, but I did just think like, let me just think about every single thing before I say yes, which I'd pretty much almost done, but I just wanted a minute. Do you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like I was back living in the Metroplex. Yeah. Like, you know, do I want to go to Waco? Do I, these were all questions I'd already answered, but it was like, let me just think through them one more time. Uh Uh-huh. Um, and I can, so I can imagine that with every stage of life and with a family and kids, like every thing just gets bigger yeah. and you just have to take more time to think about it. Um, or just, I mean, sometimes the reality is you just say like, ah, I'm going to make a choice and I'm going to trust that that choice is good. And, um, and then move forward. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, it's not. Like I'll right. do, so, I'll do something else. It'll be fine. Well, it's interesting about the flip side of the older myopic thing I was just referring to. Mm-hmm. I also, strangely, with more on the line than I've ever had before. Right. I have six kids in my house. Mm-hmm. I have health insurance dependent people, right. salary, whatever. Mm-hmm. I also am old enough to be like, you know what? If it doesn't work, it's not the end of the world. Which is not something I would have had the courage to say at thirty or twenty-five. Right. right? It's just like, I don't know. No, I think that's that's really true. The more and more, and some of it I think has to do with like self-work, right? Mm-hmm. Like the more and more you learn to trust yourself mm-hmm. and the more and more you learn to like know yourself, mm-hmm. the more and more you can, you have the ability to make a decision, not like on the fly necessarily, but like pretty quickly. Like you can say like, yeah, I know myself. I know that will be good. Um, whereas like, I do think there are some people, I do think when you're younger, we talked about this recently, sometimes you don't even know yourself enough. Like you're like, yeah, I'll take that job. And actually it's like probably many people around you could tell you that that is going to be a bad fit. Um, And it's because you just like don't know yourself and your abilities and your skills as, as well as like your wants and like whether or not you'll be fulfilled. Yeah. But when you're older, you do know answers to those questions right uh i had another interesting conversation with a friend recently um and it was about and i think this is healthy i mean no matter had i stayed at ubc or not right but um learning to not make your vocation your identity fulfillment yeah which is super hard for pastors yeah um because it lends itself to that but i think like if we're if we're really the best version of ourselves. Um, we won't do that because you might end up leaving that job. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, he was saying, I just, I do my job, which I'm grateful for, and he works hard at it, and he's good at it. Right. And he knows that provides him an opportunity to love his kids and his wife and his family. Mm-hmm. And um, he finds meaning in those things. And I think that sort of adjustment is something I'm also looking forward to, too. Right. And learning how to do that better. It is such a strange, um, such a strange thing about pastoring that like I saw a conversation I've seen on like a million times on Twitter and it was like a person saying a a man saying like 
Uh, I dropped out of seminary because my professors just kept telling me, like, you can't be friends. Oh, I saw this too. With your, interesting, with your um, congregants. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I don't believe that. And then, but then it was kind of like, what do you guys think? And I was like, what a strange, it doesn't seem like you want anyone else's, like, feedback on this. Sure. um, And I kind of thought, like, well, what I mean to say is that this is just another aspect of, like, pastoring that is just not at all like any other job. Yeah. Because I felt like, I remember distinctly a conversation with Dr. Creech that wasn't like, you can't be friends with people because, like, you shouldn't share emotionality with them at all. But it was just more like that he was like, I remember looking around a room full of deacons talking about, like, a deep pain that me and my wife were going through and, like, because I was their pastor, it was not like they just couldn't get there the way that you do with like a friend. Do you know what I mean? That yeah. it was like this room full of men had never had to be the emotional support for me. Mm-hmm. They thought of me as like emotional support for them all, all the time. And it was just like, not like you can't be friends with people because I don't, because they're, because that's bad or it's dangerous or anything like that, but more just like know that people will fail you. And that is hard when you're their pastor or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think that's similar. It's similar to what you were saying about like just being content with your work Mm -hmm. and then being able to like leave it at work and then go home and live this, you know, live a life just like fully exiled from that work or whatever, Mm -hmm. not exiled, but like, it is, as a pastor, you, I think you can't really do that. It weighs on you in such a heavy way. Yeah. Whereas, like, I think with, like, this work you're moving into, it's like you can just be fulfilled that you did a good job and then go home and yeah. live a different life. And I think what I'm trying to be careful to do is know that my stress will be different, right? Sure. And there's a grass right. greener. There but are other things. For all the reasons I articulated Sunday, I do think there's something unique about pastor work. That's not to say it's harder than other people's no, work. No, just different. Uh, but the, the emotional, what's at stake feels different, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Or I don't, yeah, I agree. Well, Taylor, yeah. I, um, I have to cut this because I have to go pick up my daughter. Which one? Lillian. Lillian. For school. So, listeners, thank you to this listening to the second to last weekly episode, I'll say. Sure, of, yeah. Um, it was either this or... And uh, thanks for tuning in for all these episodes. It's been a great pleasure for us to do this. Truly. And um, we will catch you one last time next week for now. Yeah.